بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله أما بعد فقد قال الله سبحانه وتعالى في القرآن المجيد بعد عوض بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله اشترى من المؤمنين أنفسهم وأموالهم بأن لهم الجنة صدق الله العظيم Respected elders and brothers, mothers and sisters Students, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. As we welcomed the beginning of the new Islamic year this past week, we were reminded of the incidents that took place and the climate in which Muharram was welcomed, or rather, in the climate in which this Islamic year, Muharram began, became as the new year and the fact that Umar al-Khattab anhu chose this as the beginning of the new year. The first year, the first year had to be chosen of the Islamic calendar, just a reminder for myself and all of us, that when that was chosen, from which year should the first year of the Islamic calendar begin? And it was under the leadership of Al-Khattab anhu that it was decided that it would be the Hijrah. The migration of Rasulullah and his companions from their beloved city in which they were born, in which they were raised, from the most beloved spot on earth to the Prophet from the city which has the most sacred spot on earth, the Kaaba from a city that boasts so many great blessings, from amongst which is the multiplication of the reward for any good deed that is performed in that precinct. Every salah, every sadaqah, every smile, every good deed is multiplied. And Rasulullah left all of that and went to a new city, far away, took him many, many days, well over a week, well over a week to travel through those deserts to arrive in Medina al-Munawwara. We are reminded every new year of how that all began and how that hijrah of Rasulullah took place. We are reminded of Islam's everlasting demand that it requires hijrah, it requires a movement. Hijrah is of course movement, moving. When a person leaves his land, leaves his hometown, that is hijrah. But more importantly, what we want to focus on is the fact that that was the most greatest turning point in, in the annals of history for Islam. It, it brought about such a, ushered a new change. It brought about such a new chapter, subhanAllah, that the Muslims were definitely waiting for, waiting for that nusrah, waiting for that ex- help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that came once they were pushed to the ultimate sacrifice of leaving behind family, leaving behind property, leaving behind their homes that they had lived in for years and years, centuries, their, their forefathers had dwelled in. 
All of that, the biggest sacrifice of, of leaving all of that for the sake of Allah was asked. And they said, Labbaik. They said, Ya Allah, Ya Rasulullah, we are ready for this. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then brought about Nusra, brought about His assistance. But this lesson that we learn from here is that Islam requires from us movement. It requires harakah. It requires living with the times and interacting with the times and constantly being prepared for what comes, what challenges are presented and allowing us, not allowing ourselves to be dumbed down, not allowing ourselves to be overpowered, not allowing ourselves to be taken back, taken by surprise by these challenges. But rather, being on top of our game, being ready for whatever challenge Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts in front, if it's for the sake of Islam, we are, we are ready, we are prepared to make sacrifices that Allah Jalla Jalalu asks from us. Hijrah teaches us that lesson. Today, many people leave their area. Many people move from towns, from their states, from their streets. There's non-stop movement taking place of homes and places and country of residence. But majority, vast majority of those who are moving are moving for economic reasons, are moving maybe for their children's education, are moving for schooling, moving for a certain college, moving for a better job, a better shot at trying to make ends meet, and running away from persecution, so forth. All sorts of various reasons of why a person migrates. Hijrah is solely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for the deen of Allah, that I am not able to practice my faith in a situation where I live in, the place where I live in, so I'm going to make this struggle, and I'm going to leave for Allah Jalla Jalalu, so that I can practice my deen. That is why it is so rewarding. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa mentioned the various virtues of the muhajireen. The Qur'an mentions so many virtues. لا يستوي القاعدون لا يستوي القاعدون من المؤمنين غير للضرر والمهاجرون في سبيل الله بأموالهم وأنفسهم Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying those in the nutshell of this ayah those who sacrificed and who made hijrah and who traveled for the sake of Allah sacrificing wealth, children, family they, and those who did not they can never be equal they can never be equal those who struggle and strive they have a much much greater rank than those who simply sit around Qa'idin, we're sitting around. It is not like people enjoy moving. It's not like that people want to move away from their birthplace. It's not that people want to move away from relatives and parents and family and, and, and a nice job. They're forced to because of circumstances. The question is, what is that issue that forces you to move? Uh, when Allah Jalla Jalalu sees it's only for me, it's only so that He can practice my deen in a more complete manner, this is so pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we are sitting in a room here, and a person is speaking, like I'm speaking here, a person, he's in the back and he moves forward, and he comes right in front, and multiple people do that. And you ask different people, you were sitting all the way in the back of the room, what happened that you all of a sudden stood up and you came here? There are some people who may say, that you know what, it's too cold in the back. The door keeps on opening and a cold breeze comes in. Some may say that there are children in the back making too much noise and I'm just getting disturbed. Some may say 
that the lighting is not good enough in the back and here it's in a better lighting. For example, and a person may say that no, I would like to gain as much nearness and closeness as to the speaker possible because I am gaining some true benefit from what words he is sharing. And I would like to be able to have a, you know, an access to him and what he's saying that is not being disturbed by anything else. A direct access. So that I can sit back and really allow those words to go deep into my heart and let it marinate. Allow myself to truly appreciate and understand and absorb what is being said. Those are all various intentions, obviously. When such something as small as a 10-foot walk can have such varying intentions with obviously varying rewards, no doubt. Then imagine when a person leaves his homeland and travels a far distance. Subhanallah. Imagine the reward from someone who does it for one reason and someone who says, I have a good job here. My children are doing well in school. I have a beautiful home. Everything is going right. But I am not able to worship my Lord the way I ought to. I feel guilty that He's done so much for me and I'm not able to appreciate. Like, mashaAllah, sometimes we hear people who say, I have everything set in my life, but I'm simply moving from one state to the other or one city to the other so I can get closer to my parents and serve them. Beautiful intention. That I'm fine in my place, but I'm making this huge hijrah Leaving simply so that I can go sit with my mom and dad 20-30 minutes a day. I can stop by on the way back from work, see what, check on them, maybe spend a weekend with them, invite them over to my house on, on, on a weekend or whatnot. That's their sole intention. Everything's going fine. The only love of parents and the khidmah for parents are what motivates a person. Subhanallah. What a beautiful intention. Similarly, when a person has got everything right in his life, but the only thing is, he's not able to practice the deen. Including serving his parents, which most definitely is for Allah. Right? If a person feels that I'm obliged to serve my parents because it is a command of Allah, Allah forbid, Allah forbid, Allah forbid, for me even, even uttering this. But unfortunately, this is a reality. It's not that I need to have a bigger share of the wasiyah and the uh, endowment or the will and whatnot. I need to be around when the distribution of the house takes place and the things inside. Otherwise, my siblings and others will assert more than their, that's their right. So I got to be around. This is also happens unfortunately. That's why I say that even serving parents' intentions can differ. A person who serves his parents only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though his parents have nothing. They have nothing to give physically. Of course, they have everything. They're the doors to his paradise. They're the doors to his paradise. He'll get to Jannah through serving them. But he makes, he makes that sacrifice for Allah. That is the hijrah that is demanded from us today. Okay? That the hijrah, the way that was done by the Prophet ﷺ, in the exact sense, may not be applicable for all of us. But the Prophet ﷺ said so beautifully, Al-Muhajiru man hajra Allahu anhu wa That the true muhajir, the true spirit of hijrah, is not packing your bags and moving. The true spirit of hijrah is to leave that which Allah and His Rasul has prohibited. To leave that gathering, to leave that job, to leave those friends, to leave that club, to leave uh, you know, those, the, the, those institutions or places where a person says that my affiliation with that place, with that club, with that group of people, with that group of friends, with that job, is not allowing me to truly gain my potential. Is not allowing me to truly earn Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's pleasure. It's a very difficult thing. A person recently came and told me, he said, subhanAllah, I'm trying to make this change in my life. I'm trying to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. I've heard all of that. I'm reading. I'm connecting myself with scholars. But 
of course, maybe this resonates with many of us, that's why I'm sharing it. What really holds me down is old friends. What holds me, holds me down, doesn't allow me to move forward, is old acquaintances, those relationships that we've been built through high school years, through college years, you know, all sorts of stuff that holds us down. And he said, I had to take that very difficult step of cutting those ties with friends who are not pushing me forward, but rather as a, like an anchor, are not allowing me to go forward, but rather allow me to just force me to sit down in my place. I know what's right, I know what's wrong, but I'm not able to move forward because of that friendship. And he said, I had to make that very difficult task and a, a very difficult um, effort of distancing myself. And I said, subhanAllah, that's exactly right. That's exactly what a person has to do. And that's hijrah, right there. That is hijrah, when a person knows that these group of people do not allow me to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How many husbands and wives, how many children, and how many friends, cousins, uncles, and aunts, we know unfortunately, not only do they not practice the faith the way it should be, but Allah forbid, they actually become a means of stopping others. They do not allow others in their family to practice their faith the way they want to, the way they know it should be practiced because of some misunderstanding, some irrational fear whatever you want to call it. And now it is, it, it, that tough decision comes on an individual. That am I going to give preference to these relationships or am I going to give a preference to my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why the Prophet ﷺ said, لَا طَاعَةَ لِمَخْلُوقٍ فِي مَعْصِيَةِ الْخَالِقِ There is no obedience to the creation if it entails the disobedience of Allah. There is no obedience to the creation if it entails disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That hijrah teaches us that lesson. That there must be harakah. There must be, what type of harakah? Happiness for the sake of Allah. Anger for the sake of Allah. Giving for the sake of Allah. Holding back for the sake of Allah. Our actions on a daily basis require movement. There's no stagnation in deen. There's no stagnation. If you're stagnant, you will go down. A person who wants to evade enemy fire. There's a laser that's going around. And he wants to evade that enemy fire. He's has to, he has to dodge. He has to duck. He cannot say, I've moved from here to here, now I'm going to stand still. He will definitely take a hit. Shaitan and nafs and the evil company around us are non-stop putting out their attacks. Are non-stop trying to bring us down. A person needs to always be in harakah, in movement. And that movement must be for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentions the fact that, Al-muhajiru man ahajara ma nahallahu anu rasuluh. That the true muhajir is the one who leaves. Hijrah means to leave. He leaves that which Allah and Rasul have left behind. Hence, in the very famous hadith, إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَّاتِ Which we all know, memorize of quote every single day. That indeed actions are based on intentions. The completion of the hadith also, uh, we may have heard Rasulullah sallallahu explaining this. The man kanat hijratuhu ilallahi wa rasuli. Fahijratuhu ilallahi wa rasuli. Whosoever makes this huge sacrifice of leaving his home and does a hijrah, he does it only to please Allah and to please the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa then that is exactly how that deed will be written. He will get hijrah for the sake of Allah, alhamdulillah, great reward. However, وَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ إِلَىٰ دُنْيَا يُصْلِبُهَا أَوْ إِمْرَأَةٍ يَنْكَحُهَا He said, but the one who leaves his town, he may call himself, I'm a muhajir. He may call himself as a migrant for the sake of Allah. But Allah knows the intentions of the heart. Allah knows what no one else knows. And Rasulullah is saying that if the motivation of that hijrah 
was simply to earn a raise, was simply to earn more money. And remember, earning more money was not for the sake of Allah. Because guess what? If someone makes a move for another higher paying job, and his intention is, I am going to use the wealth that I'm going to gain to spend back for the deen of Allah, then definitely that is not reprehensible, but rather uh, worthy of reward. Worthy of reward. When a person says, I'm going to travel. Brothers make mashallah, they ask sometimes, I have a job that pays X amount over here. If I travel 60, 70 miles, I have, you know, subhanAllah, 50,000 more, 25,000 more. What is it? Well, you look at the individual. If he's young, he can travel, he can do that. I say, make your intention correct. What is your intention of earning that extra amount? If you make that intention that I'm going to give for the deen of Allah, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah, every mile of that 70, 50, 60 miles extra that you're traveling each way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you reward for that because of your intention. So we don't want to put all into one bucket that this is hijrah or travel for dunya, so it's blameworthy. No. Earning wealth to, for the sake of Allah is not blameworthy. Definitely not. Definitely not. If our intention is to serve the deen, then this is definitely great cause of, and great benefit and great cause of reward. So Rasulullah said, when a person makes his hijrah for dunya, meaning he has normal base desires that everyone else does. That every other Tom, Dick, and Harry has a wish and a desire. That's his ambition. Nothing beyond that. That's what it is. That what motivates his migration. Or imra'atin yatazawajuah. He's fallen in love with some lady, and he wants to get married. Not that Subhanallah, this lady will become an amazing mother for my children. She is righteous. She comes from a righteous family. She will save my deen and the deen of my children, which is a very good intention to make. But instead, he's motivated by base desires only. And he goes and he travels to marry this lady. Rasulullah said, Then his reward will be written as though he's muhajir for a lady, muhajir for a wife, muhajir for a higher paying job, with no dini incentives, with no dini intentions. And all that effort that was done, hard work, unfortunately, not rewarded. All going down the drain. Same thing, small hijras you and I make today. When we change jobs, when we change schools, when we change neighborhoods, we have to simply make this intention. I'm doing it for the school of my children. Yes, because such and such place has a better Islamic school for my kids. Such and such a place has a high school in which the MSA is good. So that my youth, my children's iman will be saved. Such and such city has a good college. And I want my children to stay at home and go to college. So that they be protected from all the trials and tribulations that are out on campus. These are all, mashallah, good intentions a person can make. But respect to friends, it's not only about traveling and moving. It's while you're stationary as well, make that hijrah. At the beginning of this new Islamic year, 1437, 1437 years, since the Prophet ﷺ left Makkah to and went to Medina, you and I need to make those resolutions again. That inshallah ta'ala, this coming year, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to see what are the things that are holding me back. What are the things that are not allowing myself or my children to move forward? My wife and I, or you know, to move forward, to progress. And I have to cut myself off from that. I have to make hijrah from that. Is it, is it possibly overindulgence in certain things? Is it overeating? Is it overspending? Is it wasting of time? Is it having my priorities wrong? Is it not having enough Islamic education? Right? Is it certain friends, mutual friends that we've kept that constantly bring our iman level down? Uh, and, and when there's a program going on in the masjid, when there's a good activity going on, they're always having a party and we feel obliged to keep on every single Saturday, every single Friday, to keep on accepting those invitations, even though well in advance we've told them, there's an event in the masjid, how about you join us for that? But 
we get pushed away. We get pushed away to the extent that we see year after year, Muharram after Muharram, we're exactly in the same place where we were 15 years ago, 20 years ago. The amount of Qur'an that I knew 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, we haven't moved forward one more surah. Ramadans have come and gone, Eid has come and gone, but the amount of surahs I've memorized, the amount of surahs whose translation I had read and understood, the amount of surahs whose tafsir I had read through, from in a, in, a, in a good authentic tafsir book, the amount of uh, uh, knowledge I had about the calculation of zakah, the amount of knowledge I had about the aspects, the hundreds of aspects of prayer, including most one of the most important aspects of concentration and devotion and focus and prayer. If I am where I was ten years ago, five years ago, even twenty years ago, Allahu Akbar, that's definitely a very sad state for me. That's a moment for me to reflect. Why is that? That in every aspect I'm moving forward. The business is growing. MashaAllah, income is increasing. Cars are increasing. Square foot of the home has increased exponentially from the time 20, 30 years ago. But my concentration in salah, the ability to cry in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the relationship I had with my parents, the relationship I have with my spouse, the relationship I have with my children, the relationship I have with my neighbors, whether Muslim or non-Muslim, has been consistent, stagnant. That is a moment of, of reflection for us. That there are certain things I have to make hijrah of. I have to leave. And I have to, have, I have to be, as I said, haraka. I have to come into motion. Come into motion in seeking knowledge. Come into motion in practicing. Come into motion in all of those facets. Respected friends, it's never too late. Khalid bin Walid radiallahu anhum. All of us have heard his name as the most amazing general anyone has seen, not only Islam, but anyone has seen probably, who has so many battles in his name, so many skirmishes in his name, but yet not a single defeat. Not a single defeat. And as though he was, not as though, definitely he was running towards death, running towards it. But death, death just couldn't, just had to miss him. And he died of course in his death, in, on, on a bed at home. He did not pass away in the battle. Khalid Murid radiallahu anhu, who's revered, whose who's battle tactics and plans are marveled at, like how an amazing general he was. And all that he has done for the sake of Islam is there in the annals of history. But he is not one of those people, the first 10 to accept Islam. He's not one of the first 20, or the first 30, or the first 40. He, and not only that, he actively participated in fighting against the Prophet We know that in the battle of Uhud, what uh, not only did he participate, but actively became a means of Rasulullah being physically injured. His teeth uh, becoming shaheed, his cheeks becoming bloody, and, and blood flowing through, and him falling into a pit. All that horrible incidents that took place in Uhud. Who is the man behind that? Who orchestrated this, this uh, comeback of the disbelievers? Was Khalid Walid radiallahu anhu. That man who gave so much physical and emotional pain to the Prophet in that same very same battle, Hamza radiallahu anhu became shaheed, which was the low point for Rasulullah in that battle. He was so emotionally hurt at that. That same person, he comes a few years later, subhanAllah, and in the last years of Rasulullah life, he takes the shahada. And Rasulullah looks at him when he comes to Medina. And Rasulullah or when he accepts Islam, Rasulullah looks at him and he makes his comment. He said, You are so intelligent. You are so intelligent. What took you so long? You're so smart. You're an amazing personality. You have an amazing personality, amazing intelligence. But what took you so long? But subhanAllah, as they say in Urdu, Derai, Durustai. You came late, but you came right. You came late, but you still made it. You look at 
Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, whose, whose name all of us have obviously have heard. No khutbah goes by, no dars of, a, of an imam goes without narrating Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu's hadith. The one who narrated the most hadith, more than any other companion of the Prophet Was he the first to accept Islam? Second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth, twentieth, hundredth? Absolutely not. SubhanAllah, way later, towards the end of the life of the Prophet just two to two and a half years before the death of the Prophet Can you imagine that? Just two to three years before the death of the Prophet he accepts Islam. But look how quickly. See, Islam is, alhamdulillah, beautiful. You know, even if you start the race real late, you can put afterburners and you can go forward. You can go real fast. It's just you and I making that decision that this Hijri year, we wake up and we say, that's it. That's the end of that. I am getting into gear. And I'm going to ensure, inshallah, that I'm going to aim to be those people who, although came late, but we're going to go ahead. How many new Muslims you and I know personally who accepted Islam recently, but really are way ahead of those who are born Muslims? Why do we sit back and watch while others are winning the race? Let us wake up. Let us get into harakah. Let us make hijrah. Let us decide what are the things that are holding us back. Let's begin to leave them. Let's cut, cut ourselves off from those habits, those ideas, those clicks that do not allow us to progress. And let us embrace and let us take on, inshallah ta'ala, those things, including those circles, those groups of people that will become a source of good influence upon us and the lives of our children. I ask Almighty Allah Jalla Jalalu to make this Hijri year a blessed year for us and allow the blessed day of Ashura tomorrow a blessed day for us, which we are instructed to fast by the Prophet ﷺ, which was a fard fast before the fasting of Ramadan became obligated. obligated. And after that it remains nafil. Rasulullah after fasting the 10th said, if I were to live till next year, then I would have fasted the 9th as well, along with the 10th. So if we can fast the 9th today and tomorrow, or Saturday and Sunday, but definitely we should fast to revive the sunnah of the Prophet and to remember that inshallah we'll get the virtue. What's that virtue? The Prophet said in a hadith related by Imam Tirmidhi, that I hope from Allah that Allah Jalla Jalaluhu will forgive the sins of the past year. This is the new start. A new hijri year, a new beginning. So we're pressing control, alt, delete. And inshallah ta'ala we are getting our past sins forgiven. But minor sins, the ulama explained. Major sins that we're involved in, we still have to seek repentance, specific repentance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for those major sins. Along with that, of course, we remember those who passed away and became shaheed, not only in these past days of Dhul Hijjah, but all of those people, like Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anhu became shaheed in Muharram, and Uthman radiallahu anhu became shaheed in Dhul Hijjah, and of course, Hazrat Hussein radiallahu anhu became shaheed on the 10th of Muharram. Not only should we take this moment to uh, remember them and make dua for them and read about their history, but also make dua that Allah gives all of us the strength to also remain firm in the face of tyrants of today. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to be on the, uh, on the path of the righteous ones who had to end up possibly suffering a defeat in this world, but most definitely are victorious on the day of judgment. It's better to go down here apparently being defeated. But the main thing is that a person is amongst the group of victorious people on the Day of Judgment. May Allah give all of us victory in this dunya and the akhirah, happiness in this dunya and akhirah, keep our families strong, healthy and happy, and strong in their iman in this dunya and akhirah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this new year better for us than all the previous years we've ever witnessed. May Allah Jalla Jalaluhu take us from this world in a day, on a day, in a year in which He is most pleased with us. Ameen Rabbil Alameen. We request you inshallah to fill up the safs and perform the sunnah. Kindly move forward so the brothers in the lobby can come inside.